Today is Lord's Supper. We're going to be celebrating all day today. Now, uh, Hannah asked me if we could sing Glorious Day. Hannah was at, at Pine Cove a few weeks ago, and the theme there was, was light, beacon. And uh, you'll hear in her testimony in just a minute, her, her baptism testimony, you'll hear her talk about darkness and walking in light and the difference in that. I'm going to talk about that in just a minute. But she asked if we would sing Glorious Day. Glorious Day is kind of her testimony. Um, I think it's a lot of our testimony. When Jesus called her name, I was, I was lost. I was, I was dead. Jesus called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Now, one of the things they did at Pine Cove that we loved, and here's crowd participation, was we say, you called my name, and everybody says, I ran out of that grave. But as soon as you do that, you go, I ran out of that grave. Woo! All right, we do that three times, and you'll get, you'll get it after a while, but just, just hang with us. All right, here we go.
salvation. So if this is your story, you sing it out with me. Ready? I needed rescue. My sin was heavy. But chains break at the weight of your glory. I needed shelter. I was an orphan. Now you call me a citizen of heaven. When I was broken, you were my healing. Now your love is the air that I'm breathing. I have a future. My eyes are open. Cause when you call my name, shut it up. They said I had to jump. These two girls said I had to jump. It's tough for a bald fat man. Fist bump four or five people. Tell them that you're glad to see them today and be seated. Today, I tell my friends, my family, the world, that the old Adam, the old Jimmy, the old crystal is dead. I have been buried with Christ. My sin is gone. Nailed to the cross. And paid for. By the blood of my Savior. Of my Jesus. Today, I declare that by God's relentless, unfailing grace, I am forgiven. I am free. I am new. So today we're doing things just a little bit differently. We are celebrating two things, uh, two parts of what we believe as Christians. We're in this series called This Is What We Do. This is what we do. When you accept Christ as the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life, you're baptized. That's what we do. We take the Lord's Supper to remember. We're going to talk about all this today. So um, if you're ever baptized and you aren't a follower of Jesus, you're not really getting baptized. You're getting dunked. You're getting wet. Because the, the, the reason you get baptized is because you ask Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. So you're baptized after you become a follower of Jesus. Say after. after. 
So you're baptized after. Now, one of my favorite verses is um, Romans 6, 4, and it says this, therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into his death. So this is a dramatic picture. When these folks go underneath the water, they're saying they identify with Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified on the cross and he was laid in the tomb. But praise God, we've been singing about it. He didn't stay in that tomb, right? He was raised. So when you come out of the water, it's a dramatic picture that you're not following a dead guy, you're following the one who has been raised. So it says, therefore we've been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the father, we might walk in newness of life. Say newness. We have newness when we follow him. So I'm going to talk to you just quickly about this. Let me be real clear. You do not become a follower of Jesus. If you just want fire insurance, if you just don't want to go to hell, what the, what the scriptures teach is you ask Jesus to be your Lord, your boss. And so you bow the knee to him. Proudful people do not come into the kingdom of God. You bow the knee, you say, you're in charge, you're my boss. Because he's your boss, because he's your Lord, he becomes your savior. The two go together. You got that? You understand that? If someone rejects Jesus, what they're saying is, I don't want the blood of Jesus to cover my sins. I want to pay for my own sins. And God says, have it your way. When you stand before God, and you will stand before God, you will either be covered with the blood of Jesus because you asked Jesus to forgive your sins and lead your life, or you will, you will stand on your own. And God, if you stand on your own, God says, depart from me because I don't know who you are. And the Bible says anybody's name who was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. That's hell. So this represents these people who have come into the kingdom of God today. They are followers of Jesus. Now, where do we get this? You either pay for your own sins or Jesus pays for it. We get it from the scripture. This is called the Romans road. Let me show you just a couple of quick verses. Romans 6, or 3.23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Say all. all. How many people have sinned? Romans 6.23 says this, the wages of that sin, what we deserve for that sin is death. There's three types of death. There's physical death. You understand that. That's when the spirit leaves the body. There's spiritual death. That's someone who's never been adopted into God's family because God says when you're adopted into his family, he deposits the Holy Spirit in you. He makes you alive. You were dead. He makes you alive. That's spiritual death. There's an eternal death and that's eternal separation from God when, you're, when your physical body dies. There's an eternal life. There's an eternal death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then in Romans 10, 9, it says, here's how you declare that you're in God's kingdom. If we declare with our mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved for it is with your mouth that you believe and are justified it is with your voice or with your mouth. That, sorry. It is with your heart that you believe and are justified and is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So every person that comes up here today is saying, I'm in the kingdom of God. I'm a follower of his. And, and baptism is not the end of the Christian life. It's just the beginning. There's no period after a baptism. You don't say, I need Jesus to be my Lord and I'm baptized. Boom, end of story. No, this is the, it's a comma. Baptism is a beginning of the obedience of following Christ and it, and it lasts the, le the rest of your life. And what, what, the reason I felt I need to talk to you about this in Hannah's, in her, her video in just a minute, she's gonna talk about walking in darkness. And, and walking in darkness, Jesus said, I'm the light of life. He said, um, if you follow me, you'll never walk in darkness. So this goes back to the idea. Um, I've been reading in the book of Numbers. And in the, in the book of Numbers, I've been studying about the, the, the children of Israel as they walked around the wilderness before they went into the promised land. They've left Egypt. And I want to show you a picture of what the wilderness looks like. What do you notice? Uh, what, what color is missing in the wilderness? 
green. There's no water. Their greatest physical need was water. And so they're wandering around in the wilderness. Now, they, they, when God gives them the law, he, he tells them how to set up the tabernacle. So go ahead and show that next one. Now, in the middle is the tabernacle. It was a portable worship center that God told them how to construct. And then if you see those, those kind of orange ones around there, those, those are the Levites. The Levites were the ones who assisted the priests. The priests, Aaron, uh, Moses, and the priests were down here at the bottom. And they were supposed to be closest. They guarded God's word. They taught God's word. They guarded um, the presence of God. And then God told them how to camp around. Uh, he told each, each tribe. There were 12 tribes or 12 uh, daughters... Uh, 12 sons, not daughters, 12 sons of Jacob. I don't know where, I don't know. There's so much I have to get through today that there, there were 12 sons of Jacob. They are the 12 tribes of Israel. And God told each of the tribes where they were to camp. God's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. If you, if you ever are in chaos, it means you haven't heard from the Lord because God is a God of order. He showed us this in the Old Testament. Now we don't know if this was exactly how they did it. I saw another picture. Here's another picture. This, this would not surprise me at all if God told them to line up in the form of a cross. We don't know that for sure, but, but you see again in the middle in number one, that's where Moses, Aaron, and the sons, uh, Aaron's sons, the priests were, and then you see how everybody, it would not surprise me at all if God was showing us a foreshadowing of the cross in the way they camped. We don't know that for sure, but this is what was going on. Now, you notice this cloud. The Bible says that, that when God's presence was there, he showed up in a cloud over the tabernacle. Hadn't thought about this till I'm studying numbers. It's quite possible that the cloud covered the entire camp because they're in the wilderness because it's hot. At night, the Bible says that a, that a pillar of, of fire lit up the place around them to protect them. Now go back to Jesus. Jesus in the New Testament says, I am the light of life. He who walks with me will never walk in darkness. So I wanna talk to you about darkness real quick before we do baptism today. To walk in darkness means this, three things on your listening guide, to be out of the will of God. God has a will for your life, you have a will. If your will doesn't line up with God's will, you are out of God's will. The second thing to walk in darkness is to be separated from the blessings of God. God is not obligated to bless anybody who is disobedient. He only blesses the obedient. The third thing is to be in danger of the discipline of God. So those three things, if you are walking in darkness, it means you're not close to Jesus because Jesus said, I'm the light. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. Most of the time, the way we walk in darkness is we disobey God's word and we start hanging out with people who disobey God's word. The way to get into the light is confess your sins, obey God's word, and surround yourself with people who are obeying God's word. The folks today that are being baptized, this is a public testimony to you that they're walking in the light and they're asking you to hold them accountable if they start straying into darkness, we are our brothers and sisters keepers and we are supposed to go to them and confront them. Now, those of you who are gonna be baptized today, we're gonna to show Hannah's uh, testimony here as, as we're doing that. Y'all come on up and we'll get ready for baptism. The theme this year at Pine Cove was darkness and light and that really made me realize that I was carrying around a lot of darkness and walking in a lot of darkness without knowing and kind of like the longer you walk in darkness, the more you get used to it and the more you're oblivious to it. And so it wasn't really until I sat down with my counselor and I got to talking about it and I didn't realize the power it was holding over me. And she just said, Hannah, like you're washed clean from this. My baptism today is a symbol that I have been washed clean and that I am proclaiming to my church that I'm choosing to walk in the light and I'm choosing to live like I'm washed clean. Everybody say hi, Hannah. 
This is my daughter. I'm very pleased with her. I'm very proud of her as a dad. And, uh, and so Hannah, I know you're in the kingdom of God, but I have to ask this. Have you asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? Because you have, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Bend your knees. Cameron, come on up. Cameron, come up next. I'm going to baptize you all together. This is Cameron. Everybody say, hi, Cameron. Hi, Cameron. Cameron is a lot of fun. We've had him at... at uh, preteen retreat. He's, he's a blast. Even as I was talking to him about baptism, I'm, I, you know, I talk with my hands. He's talking right back to me with his hands and he gets it. Have you asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? Yes. Because you have, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Bend your knees. Bend your knees. A little bit more. Otherwise we're going way back. All right. <laughs> Come on, Justin and Kristen. Come on up here, Krista. Too cool to me to baptize a husband and wife. This is Justin and Krista. Everybody say hi, Justin and Krista. They took our 101 class last week um, where you joined the church and they said, hey, we've never been baptized. We've been talking about it. We think this is of God that we're going to join the church, but we also want to be baptized. So Justin, have you asked Jesus to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life? Yes, I have. Because you have, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me hold your wrist here. Bend your knees. Yeah, he's helping me out. He's good. Now, dry off a little bit. Go on the other side and help me with Krista. One of the things I like to do is have husbands help with their wives because the husband is the spiritual leader of the home. God declared that, right? Whether you're leading or not, you are leading somewhere, and we're supposed to be the spiritual leaders. Krista, have you asked Jesus to be the forgiver of sins and the leader? She's tearing up up here. Yes, you have. Because you have... I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Hold his hand right there. Bend your knees. This is what we do. We celebrate that someone was lost. They've been found. Scripture says that we're dead in our trespasses and sins, but Jesus Christ makes us alive. That never gets old, ever. Some of you, some of you have never followed Jesus in baptism, or if you did, it was a long time ago. We have people rebaptized. Hannah had been baptized when she was six, cold water. But this was a recommitment of her life, and some of you need to recommit your lives. If you want to be baptized, then, then you write that on your card, and we'll, we'll work you in as soon as possible. In fact, there's a young man that, that couldn't be here this weekend. He's supposed to be baptized. So as soon as I get him on the schedule, if you're interested in that, let me know. We'll baptize you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the testimony of these folks that they, they are not only, they're not only privately in the kingdom, they publicly proclaimed you today. So God, thank you for their testimony. Thank you for their witness. And I pray that you work in others. You said, if, if we are ashamed of you before men, you'll be ashamed of, of us before your father, but, but we're not ashamed. So God, help others to follow you in obedience of baptism. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Here's Jason Spratley. He was baptized a few weeks ago. Here's his testimony. Uh, Sunday morning at Trace Diaz, uh, we were singing songs that I had sung you know, a million times. And then uh, Jesus just opened my eyes and I saw him and I started crying uncontrollably. 
And uh, I, I started saying, Jesus, I finally understand. I went from not knowing to knowing that Jesus was my Lord and Savior and that he died for my sins. I started Googling, you know, uh, churches in Palestine. And I looked at several different websites of, of churches and I came across New Life's website. And the statement that was on the front of it uh, really appealed to me. It, it said that, you know, they accepted anybody. And I had come through, uh, you know, come from a history of feeling judged in a lot of the churches that I had visited. And New Life just presented me with this opportunity to, to have a relationship with God without all that judgment. And, uh, and, I, and, I, and I tell anybody now, if, hey, if you want to go to a place, I even put on my Facebook, you know, if you want to go to a place where there's no judgment, you know, come to New Life. Let's stand and continue worshiping. We're going to sing Jesus Loves Me.
Sing it like you mean it. The cross has the final word. Evil may put up its strongest fight, but the cross has the final word. The cross has the
Father, all the glory goes to you. All the power. You said riches and wisdom and glory and blessing and honor are yours. So we just lift you up today. And we ask that not only would your name be glorified, but Jesus, you promised that if we lift you up, you will draw all men and women to yourself. Draw them today, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Whatever you give to Jesus, he multiplies, right? You just, you gave him your worship, he multiplied it. And, and sometimes I think we don't really understand worship. Uh, today you understood it and you participated. And, and up here, we're not performing, we're not performing for you, we're performing for God. And, and it's such a blessing when you participate. And it is such a downer when you don't. Um, and I'm not saying that you don't on a regular basis, but occasionally, you know, we'll, we'll come off stage and we go, man, what was going on? And we know there's an enemy and we know he attacks, but today you got it. And, and I'm asking God to bless you for that. Um, we're going to continue with the sermon. I know it's different today, but that's all right. You, you can get over it. Um, sometimes you need, you need to have a little bit of, you know, change of pace. So uh, I'm going to read to you from Numbers 11, 1 through 3. This is something I've been studying, and, and God just, I had a different message, and, and God said, this is what I was supposed to share today. Now, the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then the fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. You saw, you saw the camp, and some people died um, because they complained against God. Uh, when the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord, and, fire, uh, and, the, and the fire died down. I got a little bit of barrel going on, man. I think I got too much bass in my voice. Uh, so that place was called Taborah because fire from the Lord had burned against them. Now, you need to understand when we get to this passage, the children of Israel are camped at Mount Sinai. They're not camped like uh, exactly like the, the setup we had. They're around the mountain. Moses has been getting the, the law of God from the mountain. Now, they have, um, they have been there almost a year. They've been out of Egypt for one year, and God tells them on the first day of the second year of their freedom from, from slavery in Egypt, they're to celebrate the Passover. He said, I want you to go back one year ago and remember what happened. And so here's what happened. On the night of the Passover, this was the 10th plague. God had sent 10 plagues to convince Pharaoh to let his people go. And so the 10th plague, he said, I'm going to kill the firstborn of every person and animal. And he said, if you want to be spared from this 10th plague, you must kill an innocent lamb. You must take the blood, paint it over the doorpost of the house. And this is how we get the term. The death angel will come down and will pass over, see the blood and realize the blood has covered you and will literally pass over that house your child, your firstborn child will not die. Now, 
you, you had a choice. If you, if you put the blood there, you, your child was spared. If you didn't, your child had to pay the price. Now we know this is a foreshadowing of Jesus. When we take the Lord's Supper in a few minutes, we are gonna be celebrating the fact that Jesus died. We've talked about this. We've sung about this. He shed his blood. And if his blood covers you, then you are welcome to take the Lord's Supper. It is only for Christ followers. His blood has to cover them. Uh, but we want you to understand what's happening. Now, why did I read to you about the Israelites whining and complaining right before we take the Lord's Supper. Well, the Israelites complained often. They were professional complainers and whiners and and yet need to understand that whining and complaining is a conditioned response. It's a habit that people get into when they face difficulties. And so difficulties can either mature you in Christ or they can make you more childish. God allows us to go through difficulties, hopefully so that we'll mature when we are when we continue to be childish, the difficulties get harder. Uh, they, get, they, get, they get more painful. So these are complaining people. What is crazy? This is what I want you to understand. What is crazy is how quickly they complained after an incredible time of celebration. All right, let's go back to when they have just gotten out of, Israel, uh, out of Egypt. The Israelites have come out. They're wandering. They get to the Red Sea. They're trapped against the Red Sea. Pharaoh says, what have I done? I need to go get them back. He sends his whole army. God parts the Red Sea. The Israelites walk across on dry ground. They turn around. The, the Egyptian army comes in after them. The walls of the water come and they're destroyed. They watch the entire Egyptian army, the most powerful army on the planet, be destroyed like that. And they, and, and in, in Exodus 15, it says they sang a song. And the first part of the song is the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Ooh, God is great. Miriam and all the women get their tambourines and they start going around singing and dancing. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. Ooh, our God is awesome. Three days later, Three days later, they're in the wilderness. I showed you a picture of the wilderness. We don't have any water. Did you just see what God did with the water? We're going to die. Wish we had died in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here to die? Three days. Now, at Mount Sinai, they'd been there a year. They'd been camped. God said, it's time to move. They had just celebrated the Passover Three days later, uh, we, we want to go back to Egypt. We had it so good in Egypt when we were slaves and they beat us. There was food, there was water. We want to go back. Sometimes we don't even wait three minutes when we're out of the presence of God to whine and complain. Walk out those doors, somebody cuts us off. They were sent from the enemy. We know that. You just cast them out. Three minutes, we start whining and complaining, and I want you to remember that. Why do we whine and complain? And it's because of our hearts. Jeremiah 17.9 says the human heart is, is deceitful. It says it's desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Our hearts are jacked up. Because our hearts are so full of sin, it takes very little time to forget some things, to forget God's blessings. We, we ignore what he did yesterday because our hardship today. Uh, when, you, when you forget God's blessings, then you ignore God's promises. When you, when you ignore God's promises, then you begin to find fault with God's plans. Here's what you do. God, it doesn't matter what you did in the past. Today, you're not doing what I want you to do. And so I'm not even worried about tomorrow because you're not doing what I said, God. My plans are better than your plans, God. It takes us little time for our hearts because they're desperately wicked to forget. So God says, Remember, see, when you forget, you start walking in darkness. 
God says, remember me through baptism. It's why we celebrate. It's why every time my heart is full when we baptize somebody because they get it and they're testifying. And we're to, we're to remember through the Lord's Supper. So let's talk about this real quickly. Jesus and his followers, the night before he's going to be crucified, they're celebrating the Passover that I just told you about. And look what happens. Jesus does something in the middle of it that had never been done before. New rule, new game. Luke twenty two nineteen. 19. He took some bread, Jesus did, and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it into pieces and gave it to the disciples saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember. Say remember. Amen. Do this to remember me. After supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant, new deal, new game, new deal, new covenant between God and his people in agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. Now, I told you this last week, but at the very beginning of Jesus' public ministry, um, he walks out to the Jordan River, John the Baptist is baptizing. John the Baptist looks up at Jesus and here's what he says in John 129. Look, the lamb of God, the sacrificial lamb, the Passover lamb, this is what he's saying, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus says, this is a new deal. Instead of sacrificing animals, you'll never do that again. I'm gonna sacrifice my life once for all to save all mankind. And whoever takes my blood is adopted into my family. And they, he says, whoever is in my hand, they cannot be snatched out of my hand. They're mine. Jesus says, new game. Now, fast forward to Jesus is on the cross later in Luke 23. And here it says this. It was about noon and the whole land became dark until three o'clock in the afternoon. Everybody say three o'clock. It was about noon and the whole land became dark until three o'clock in the afternoon because the sun did not shine. Now y'all did this great last week and I had to pump up the first service, but I'm gonna say something, uh, I'm gonna say a sentence and then whatever's in parentheses, you're gonna say with enthusiasm because I want you to remember three o'clock. What time? All right, here it is. If God is a God of details, and if he never does anything by accident, then this must be significant. It is. Yes, you're so right. Three o'clock. What's significant about three o'clock? Jesus is hanging on the cross outside the walls of old Jerusalem. The big walls, the ramparts, they call them. He's hanging on a cross. He's dying. Inside, they're about to celebrate the Passover. And the priest would do all the preparations and guess what time he would kill the Passover lamb? Three o'clock. They would blow the ram's horn, the shofar. It would announce to all Israel that the Passover lamb is giving its blood so that we don't have to outside the walls. Jesus isn't that far. I've walked it, I've traveled it. He's not that far. Jesus also hears the, the shofar announcing the lamb of God is dying. And look what happens. It was about noon, the whole land became dark until three o'clock in the afternoon because the sun did not shine. The curtain in the temple was torn into. Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Father, I give you my life. And as, after Jesus said this, he died. So the, the, the curtain, this is a big deal. This is, God's a God of details. The curtain was so thick that it said that, that if you were to tie a team of horses or oxen or whatever, elephants, ram, trucks, I don't know, you tie it to it. It says it could not tear it apart. A team of horses could not pull this apart. This was no accident. As the Lamb of God says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The temple, the, the curtain separating the Holy of Holies was split into signifying that you and I now have access to the king. The Old Testament, you didn't. The Old Testament, you sacrificed animals. And you were temporarily covered. In the New Testament, you come through Jesus and you're adopted. This is a big deal. 
Jesus said, we're starting a new tradition with my death. No longer animal sacrifices, now human sacrifice. And see, Jesus knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows we tend to forget things, especially what his death, burial, and resurrection mean to us. We get into this routine of life and we forget, and there is absolutely nothing routine about the Lord's Supper. So Jesus wants us to remember some things. He didn't say to do it every Sunday. He didn't say to do it every day. He said, do it regularly. When you do it, remember him. Here's what he wants you to remember. First of all, we're supposed to remember his death. Remember, there's nothing routine. Jesus died for you to purchase your freedom. Second, he wants me to remember my life is an offering. My life is an offering. This is what we do, people. Look at, at Romans 12.1. Offer yourselves. This is what we do. Offer yourselves as living sacrifices. Living sac- sacrifices can crawl off the altar. You, you and I do it every week. Sometimes three minutes after we've been at the altar, we crawl, crawl off and we start whining and pl- complaining. Offer yourselves. This is what we do. We offer money. We've been talking about being generous. We offer our lives as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is what true worship you should offer. Twice it says offer. This is what we do. So before you take the Lord's Supper today, you need to take a spiritual inventory. Am I right with God? Am I growing? Am I closer to God now than I was a month ago, six months ago? Is there a problem in a relationship? There's one time the scripture says it is okay to leave worship. It says when you're at the altar, when you're offering your gift, if you remember someone has something against you, the Bible says leave church. Go make things right, then come back. And if you need us to be here a few hours, we'll, we'll leave the Lord's Supper for you. It won't ferment in that time. It was wine in the New Testament. We do grape juice. Go and then come back. But it is not routine, so don't you dare walk up here and take the Lord's Supper in a casual manner. And if you have a bad attitude, Paul said some of you are sick because you've come to the table in the wrong manner, and some of you have died early deaths because you have approached the Lord's table in an unworthy manner. That should cause you to shake a little bit. Now, if you confess your sins, the Bible says he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. If you've attempted to make things right with other people, and they won't make things right with you, that's on them, not you. The Bible says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. That implies that sometimes you're not gonna be able to live at peace with someone. As long as you've made the effort, you don't have to be afraid of your good God, but don't you dare walk up here with pride and say, God has to forgive me. I read this. Someone said, it's his job to forgive. Oh, dear God, I pray for that person because his job is to be in charge. Your job is to bow your knee, to bow your heart and say, you're in charge. Whatever I have is yours. That's the proper attitude to come to the table. Then the last thing, we remember his death. We remember our lives are an offering. Then we remember Jesus is coming back. Everything he said he's going to do, he's done except come back. There's a couple of things in Revelation that hadn't happened yet, but they're going to happen. Look what he says, what Paul says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are retelling the message of the Lord's death that he has died for you. So we're retelling the message today. And he says, do this until Jesus comes again. So I want you to bow your heads. We're gonna play some, um, some soft music. Some of you need to, to pray and ask God to, to prepare your heart to come to the, to the table. Some of you do not need to take the Lord's Supper. I'm just trying to tell you, don't take it. If you know someone has something against you, you probably ought to get your rear up and and head out and go make things right. Let's pray together and then we'll start some music. And when you're ready, you come to the Lord's table, go back and sit down quietly, and then we'll be dismissed when everybody's finished.
Father, thank you for the blood of Jesus. We sang about it. Help us not to forget. Help us to come in a worthy manner today. God, if there is sin in my life, show me because I don't want to come to your table in an unworthy manner. But God, if I'm confessed up, if my relationships are up to date, then give me a peace of God that surpasses all understanding to guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus as I approach your table. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.